This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, I'm Antoine Ray, and I'll be your host today for this Global Ambitions uh, podcast episode. And my uh, guest today is Natalia Levitina, who's a globalization and localization professional and a board member at AMTA. And today we'll be talking about some tips for building a business case for localization. Natalia, welcome to the program. Thank you, Antoine. Great to be here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, uh, Natalia? Sure. Yeah, so I've been in localization industry for over 20 years now. I started my career at an LSP in a desktop publishing department. And then I also had an opportunity to work a little bit in sales at another LSP. And then for the last 15 years, I've been part of PTC in a large localization department at a software company. And my responsibilities there were technology management, as well as the uh, last thing that I was doing there was managing a translation team. Great. And uh, we'll, we'll come back on the technology side. I know that's going to be a kind of a recurring theme in this uh, conversation as you contributed greatly to some of the chapter within the globalization playbooks that we've talked a few times about uh, on this uh, podcast recently with uh, different people that we interviewed like Liana Solomon or Karen Coombe as well. But in this case, let's get started as well on what do people need in general to build uh, a business case? What do you need to build a business case for, right? Correct. As we were thinking about it in the while writing that globalization strategy playbook, there are basically a couple of distinct cases. You know, localization department is, regardless of where it sits in an organization, is just a business unit. So, mm -hmm. as with any business unit, you have to think about justifying your budget. So you would want to think about justifying your budget when you're buying technology and you would when you're expanding your services, translation services and going after a particular market. So you want to add a language. Okay. So these are two main cases when you would want to create a business case for. And do you want to give some ideas on tips and best practice maybe on how to build uh, the, those type of business case? And we can take a couple of examples, whether you're looking at the technology or services or anything else? So it might seem like an overwhelming task to write and to build a business case. So let's try to break it down into steps. Mm -hmm. Like you said, let's talk about technology first. We write about it in chapter five of the playbook if anybody wants to read more about that. The first thing, as with any business case, is to think about your business objectives. So the ones that we've identified there are four, cost savings efficiency, great user experience, faster time to market, and enabling global growth. What we did in the technology chapter is we mapped these uh, to localization tools. Mm -hmm. So you know that there are different localization technologies. TMS is the most uh, widely known, of course, machine translation. But there are other ones like terminology, query, cost and resource management solutions and DevOps and testing tools. But not all of them tick all of the boxes in terms of the objectives. So, for example, only TMS and machine translation 
ticked all of the boxes in our opinion. And we also created a technology maturity model that helps you understand where you currently sit in your technology journey. Mm -hmm. So when you look at those two things and you map it all out, then you can prioritize what you want to spend your money on first. And then, of course, you want to put together all of your requirements. And in order to do that, you have to think about your stakeholders. Who do you need to work with to figure out what needs to be in that tool? So, for example, if you're working with a TMS, of course, you want to talk to your localization PMs, your engineers. These are people who are going to be in and out of that tool every day. So they're your primary stakeholders. You may also need to think about your in-house linguists if you have them. But you also don't want to forget people like your marketing in-country reviewers. So if the tool is not easy for them to use, then that may lead to their detachment from the process. And they may not contribute to the success of your marketing campaigns as much as you had hoped for. And of course, the other important stakeholder is your vendor or vendors. They would be also primary users of your tool. And chances are that they have already used that particular TMS and then they have some opinions about that. So you want to find out about that as well. So working with your stakeholders is important from the requirement perspective, but it's also important to get their buy-in when you're actually going to be presenting your business case to them. Mm -hmm. Once you decided on what your technology is going to be, you also want to think about your implementation approach. Will you be buying it or will you be building it? Will you be implementing it as SaaS or on-prem? Maybe you even want to use your vendor's tool. So these are the, all of the good questions that you want to answer sort of before you present your case. And now, of course, you want to write that business case. You want to present it. And in order to do that, you need your data in order to get that buy-in. And so there is a good example in Chapter 6, which talks about data analytics. And in general, that chapter focuses on, you know, how do you get insights from your metrics? How do you make sure that you're solving the right problems? And it's not all about just having the numbers. The point is that how do you interpret these numbers? How do you create a story with these numbers? And how do you tailor that story to a particular audience? If your stakeholders, you know, the people who are you getting the budget from are your management, you want to make sure that you're speaking their language. And in terms of the services example, there is a good one about David in that chapter. And he just was hired as a localization manager at a small startup. He realized that the company was expanding to Germany, but nobody thought about putting some budget for that translation service because common understanding is that people in Germany speak English. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to localize into German. So in order to convince his management to allocate the money, he had to collect a lot of data to support his case. What was the total addressable market? Right. What were the competitors doing in Germany? What would the cost to localize versus the revenue be? And also, what would it mean for the brand to miss the opportunity to enter the market early? Mm-hmm. What I like about this chapter, chapter six, is that there is even a formula for calculating an effectiveness score, which helps one to prioritize markets and languages. But going back to building 
a business case for buying technology. So suppose you created that story, you convinced your management, they liked how you presented your numbers, you got your budget, and does this mean that you are done? We actually think that it doesn't. And that's because the process is circular. Because once you've done that and you've gotten your budget, now you're on to implementing your solution. Mm -hmm. And once you implement the solution, you want to start monitoring and getting a reporting out of the tools so that you can demonstrate the value of the decision that you made and the technology that you bought. After that, you're sort of going back in that circle for evaluating, you know, where you're at in the process, mapping your new objectives to the tool, figuring out where you sit in that technology journey again, and then building your business case again and building your requirements again. And so going on to a next tool that you need to buy in order to uh, progress in that maturity model. So the process never stops, basically. It's a continuous, continuous uh, process like localization is. Right. But so in this case, during that process, you probably also, especially on the technology side, have to integrate with uh, potentially different systems, whether it is a content management system on the marketing side or a source repository on the engineering side. Do those guys become part of your stakeholders when you're building a business case as well, or, or do they come later in the equation? Absolutely. No, you have to think about all of these requirements before you get the tool, because it's either you who are going to be integrating mm -hmm. uh, or them who are going to be integrating or both of you who are going to be right. integrating. And the tool that you buy, of course, needs to have an API in order to integrate. So these are very important things that you need to think about. Another important thing is your security department, your IT. Right. You know, they may have the some yeah. opinions on what tools you should be buying and whether it's going to be okay to open certain ports in order for that tool to communicate with your CMS. So what if your CMS is an on-prem CMS and you're buying a cloud technology for your CMS? Will they be able to talk to each other? Will that be secure enough for them to approve it? As well as giving access to external suppliers, potentially, yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and okay. how that process should work, yeah. Okay. And then, like, in Chapter 5, if I remember well as well of that globalization playbook, I think it refers to a character called Diana, a persona called Diana. And I think I saw her mm -hmm. through a few chapters where she's had a lot of um, challenges in general. Can you share with us maybe some of the most common challenges or successes that person can encounter when building that business case outside of getting all the right stakeholders and getting the data lined up. Yeah, that was a fun example. Uh, Diana is described as a localization technology manager at a large software company. Mm -hmm. And so she's responsible for implementing a TMS. And according to her view, everything is going extremely well, except that, you know, she runs into a marketing executive one day in a hallway and the marketing executive casually tells her, oh, we're buying, signing a contract for another TMS. And that comes as a complete surprise. That's an indication you need to be uh, in touch with your stakeholders all the time. <laughs> and so Diana is able to sort of get her foot in the door to convince the executive to have a meeting, to explore this further to sort of tell them, you know, maybe 
having two TMS systems is not necessarily the best thing for the company. But what she realizes is that her arguments are falling onto deaf ears because what's important for the marketing executive is that the marketing reviewers in country don't like the existing technology. And they think it's really hard to do the reviews. So they get detached from the process. They don't contribute to the campaign. The campaigns are not as successful as they could be. So that's the problem that the executive is trying to solve. And the way to solve that is with a TMS where things are very easy for them to do. So they go ahead and they buy this other TMS. Mm -hmm. So is that a failure? Is this not a failure? Well, it's just an indication that you can't just convince saying things are going to be hard for localization, which which is true. When you have two mm-hmm. TMS systems, it's really hard to go from one to another. Nobody really cares because there's another business problem to solve. So what Diana has to do is she needs to basically work with all of the stakeholders going forward to understand what the requirements are from everybody's perspective and try to find a tool that works better. For everyone. Mm. And she's able to go and find another TMS that fulfills requirements of all of the departments, not just for localization or not just for products. And then the other important thing is to stay in touch with the marketing team. So she's able to do that and, and find out that actually there are some problems with vendors, some quality issues that the marketing managers are having a hard time with managing. Mm-hmm. They're not really localization managers. They've got some other things to do, so they're not really enjoying trying to figure it all out. So by basically working with the marketing team, Diana is able to convince them that, hey, now that we're going to get a new TMS that will fulfill your requirements, we can also take it back, take the program back and manage it for you so you don't have to act as localization managers. And it's actually easy in terms of writing a business case when you have two TMS systems and you're replacing it with one, that becomes really easy because you're basically getting rid of two costs. Right. You may be even able to save some money. Right. It shows the importance of engaging the stakeholders at the right time at an early stage of the requirements gathering phase, I guess. Yeah, and not only through the requirement gathering phase, but again, staying in touch with them and making sure that you understand how the processes are working or not working for them is really important. Just don't work in a silo. Great. Well, Natalia, thanks very much for sharing some insights there. And it's great for our listeners because I know like a lot of them would have to manage business cases on a daily basis and certainly reach out to us and you if they have questions. So thanks very much for your participation today and we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you very much, Antoine, for having me. It was great talking to you. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.